Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe, and on today's episode, we're going to be giving our recap from our most recent trip down to Walt Disney World. Woo-woo! So it was we were, fun. We were down there this past weekend for the springtime surprise run Disney races, so we're going to be talking theme parks, we're going to be talking the races, we're going to be talking about all the places we ate. We also did a tour, so we'll be talking about that as well. So a lot to cover this week. Uh, but before we get into all that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. We didn't have any Disney news last week because we recorded that episode a little bit early, so we have a little extra news to cover this week. Um, so we'll start international. Over at Tokyo Disneyland, they opened the new Toy Story Hotel that they've been building over there. It and looks, it looks so cool. amazing. Yeah, really, really cool. I mean, it just kind of takes a lot of the things that you see in the rides and how it you know, uses perspective to make you feel like you're toy size, and it just puts that into hotel form. It looks really fun, really colorful, definitely a place I'd like to stay. Yeah, it looks very much like Toy Story Land over at Hollywood Studios, kind of that aesthetic, but just in a hotel. Um, and like you said, it's definitely a place that, I think people are going to want to stay when they go mm-hmm. to Tokyo Disneyland now. Disney also announced that stateside character uh, meet and greets and being able to to not have to physically distance from the characters. That will kind of all be ending. You'll be able to you know hug the characters again, get closer to them. That's going to be happening no sooner than April 18th. They didn't give like a hard date for it because it's going to kind of be like a phased in approach depending on... Um, the character greeting, the theme park, etc. So, you know, next week, I think we're going to start seeing some of the physical distancing getting dropped from some of the character meet and greets, maybe some more character meet and greets uh, coming back, but all good news there. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, watching some character meet and greets with little kids in particular and characters, it'll be so nice for them to be able to hug the characters again, because those characters have to work extra hard because the little kids don't quite understand that they can't hug them. And so they have to do a little extra to let them know like, Hey, I really care about you and I love you, but I can't touch you. They can't even touch you. Exactly. Right. And then we got official confirmation that guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind will be opening Memorial day weekend. So it'll be opening at Epcot May 27th. Uh, and emails have already gone out to annual pass holders, DVC members, et cetera, for previews. So those previews are going to be happening uh, soon. So we'll probably start hearing a lot more details about Cosmic Rewind uh, in the next month, six weeks or so, leading up to the official opening. And then Encanto is starting to come into the park. So uh, actually at Walt Disney World, there was a couple uh, magic shots uh, for Encanto yes. that we got while we were down there. Um, but kind of in a larger scale over at Disneyland, uh, Disney Parks blog announced uh, how Encanto will be uh, coming into the parks over there. So we already knew about the uh, the new finale float for the Main Street Electrical Light Parade that will incorporate Encanto. Uh, but now they've announced that they're going to do a We Don't Talk About Bruno, <laughs> essentially sing-along and projection show on It's a Small World. And that's starting April 11th. <laughs> That's actually, I didn't even think about how funny and ironic this is because those are two massive earworms. So putting on It's a Small World, which is the the most like infectious song in the world, they're putting the second most infectious song in the world on it. Yeah. So again, I mean, it's a, it's a quick way to get Encanto into the parks right. because over in Disneyland, if you've not been there, they do projection mapping on It's a Small World as part of their nighttime shows already. Mm-hmm. So it's already set up. So it's easy just to kind of throw 
Encanto scenes on there as they play We Don't Talk About Bruno, you know, a few times throughout the night. So I think it's a it's a quick thing to do. It's yeah, it doesn't really necessarily fit that they're just, you know, Encanto's on It's a Small World. Um, but but it's well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's that international. It I guess, yeah. But you're right. The connection there is yeah, it's two songs that either people love or wish they never heard again, <laughs> yeah. probably. Uh, and so they're putting it on that ride. So again, just starting to see some stuff from Encanto come into the parks. So this is our, our first of what I'm sure is many, many things that come into the parks. And also this past week, and this actually came out uh, while we were in Walt Disney World. So we asked around too about this and got a little bit more insight. But Disney announced that there's some changes coming to Kite Tales. And in the press release, they announced that, quote, they're shifting the focus of the show so guests will be able to experience Disney Kite Tales from anywhere around the Discovery Island Lagoon. We were immediately concerned when we yep. heard changes to Kite Tales coming. Uh, so we asked around for some of the people down there of like, hey, what does this mean? And it really sounds like Kite Tales isn't going away. They're just going to be doing smaller shows more frequently throughout the day so instead of having like a set schedule that you have to be there on it's just going to kind of be sporadic throughout the day you'll see kites flying around the lagoon which if anything it's better because you get more kites flying around than less so it's it's not like kite tails is really going anywhere yeah they made it sound kind of like they're breaking the shows up into two pieces so there's the lion king show and the the jungle book show and so you're just going to get them in instead of it being all in one you know one time it's basically like a play they're splitting it into acts each show has two songs or so two or three songs so my kind of guess is, you know, they'll do instead of doing two or three songs each time, they'll do just one song uh, for each of these shows. So again, it'll kind of be a shorter time frame, but just more often throughout the day. I'm glad that it sounds like the crashes aren't going away. That's really all I care about. I like the singing part of it, but I'm really glad it sounds like, you know, we're still going to get a chance to see them land those kites. Exactly. All right. So let's jump into our trip recap. So Let's start with just kind of overall impressions. And just to kind of give a little bit of a background again, we were down there for the springtime surprise races. We ran the 10K and the 10 miler. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we were down there for six days total. So it was a little bit longer of a trip. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did our tips for like a long weekend or a short trip. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been doing a lot of those lately. So this was a, a longer trip for us, um, which was nice because we weren't necessarily as rushed to do things we kind of could take some time just to kind of like relax in between things which is especially good after you run 10 miles <laughs> at, you know five o'clock in the morning when you're up at 3 a.m for these races there were naps involved yeah, it's, it's nice to yeah, be able to go back to the hotel and and rest up a little bit you don't feel like you have to be go 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 let's talk overall impressions i think the first thing that kind of jumped out to me um because we have not been there since last year you know the crowds have started to come back you know, we've, we've heard that. Seeing that, though, in person, though, I mean, the crowds definitely are back. It is very crowded. Now, obviously, it is like around spring break and Easter, but it is definitely much more crowded than it has been uh, recently. Yeah, I feel like it was even more crowded than it was in October because we went in October. The parks were pretty thick with people. Um, I almost feel like Epcot wasn't as bad when we were there as it was in October, but it was just, it was just hard um, to kind of when we've been visiting lately and there haven't been huge lines, um, there are a lot of times where we would check the apps and see how long the lines were and just decide, yeah, we don't need to go ride that. Well, this is also the first time we've been there since Lightning Lane. 
right. has started in Genie Absolutely. Plus. So last time we were there, like you said, in October, I think it was like a week or maybe two yep. weeks before they released that. And as probably a lot of our listeners know, and if you're you know a hardcore Disney fan, you kind of know that you know Fast Pass and, and Genie Plus, it's great, but it also makes the standby lines longer. Yep. So a lot of people were, I think, happy, including us, that you know, when Fast Pass was suspended, like, right. hey, we don't need it back. Like the wait times. I think the know, staff liked it better yeah, too. I mean, they're thirty or forty minutes. It's not bad. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely all kind of gone now because you have Genie Plus, because you have Lightning Lane. There's a lot of stuff that was an hour, hour and a half, yep. two hours. I mean, you know, we were looking at uh, Jungle Cruise. I think it was seventy plus minutes every time we checked, which yep. which is a long time to wait. You know, for the Jungle Cruise, um, things like Ratatouille were an hour and a half, two hours. So, yeah, crowds are definitely back with Lightning Lane. It definitely makes the wait times longer. You know, I think for me, you know, also with the crowds, it seems like Disney is still kind of struggling to get enough staff. I think Mm -hmm. especially around the buses, and, and we can talk a little bit about this, but, you know, the busing situation seemed a little bit tough still and i know they've yeah. been struggling to get bus drivers but f- but for me there were certain points on this this trip where you kind of saw like the seams of the disney magic like when you go you, you kind of just want to be in that bubble and for right. the most part disney does a great job of you know start to finish mm-hmm. you kind of are just in the magic the whole time and for me you know with not having the magical express with you know, some of the issues with like the bus situations and just the crowds there and and the wait times, you're starting to see like, they're kind of getting pushed to their limits, I feel like. And you're starting to see some of those cracks, kind of like in Kanto, where you're you're seeing the (laughs) cracks in the house. Yeah, you're seeing the cracks form. Not to say that it was, you know, bad in any way, shape or form, but you could start to see a little bit of that. And so I kind of hope that Disney can contain that and it doesn't, you know, get worse. It was not horrible. I wouldn't say it wasn't bad at times, though. I think we never really had had an issue. And again, I, I don't know if this has to do with us staying in Deluxe Hotel or not, because usually we stay in Art of Anima- Animation or in Pop Century. And I think because those are lower and end And we stay at hotels, the Polynesian this time. Yeah. And I think because they're lower end hotels where a lot of people stay, they are constantly sending buses there. So you don't really... I mean, I think that... The longest we we usually would wait there is maybe 20 minutes. Um, and that might be you wait 20 minutes if you don't make one bus or something. Like it, it, it seemed pretty good. Now, I don't know if it's that or because, again, this the staffing issue. But, yeah, we waited, I think, you know, 20, 30 minutes sometimes. Um, or, for example, another frustration point would be that at the Polynesian, they would actually they list times where the buses are coming, which was nice and really helpful. And you can know when to try to be at the bus. But if we we would time it and be, try to be a few minutes early and one time we actually they were pulling out when we were getting there three minutes early. So we actually ended up having to wait. It, it sounded like 30 minutes and then it actually a bus just randomly showed up. So we ended up waiting like 20 but we were definitely disappointed because we missed the early the like the early entry because of that. Um, so I mean, things like that really did kind of put a damper on my trip. I know it made me frustrated, and I know that again, you know, I said don't go in with expectations. But yeah, I definitely think that that needs to be better. But I know it also is maybe out of their control a bit too. Yeah, it seemed like 
especially with Animal Kingdom, it seemed like that's yes. where like the bus trouble was because anytime we went to Animal Kingdom or we were trying to come back from the hotel from Animal Kingdom, it took a long time to get the buses. So I do think to your point, you know, in the past, it's always been roughly 15 minutes. Disney will tell you that a bus is coming every 15 minutes where it was very much more 20 to 30 minutes. We would be waiting. And to your point, that is a especially frustrating when you're trying to go early and you're trying to take advantage of the extra half hour you have in the parks. And Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if you're there uh, a half an hour before the uh, early entrance starts and, and you, and that seems like ample time. Yeah. And you miss the bus and then the bus doesn't come until, you know, five minutes before you're supposed to be able to get in the theme park. So you're getting there with maybe like five minutes left or right when it's opening up to everybody, that is kind of frustrating. And then, yeah, kind of, again, waiting, coming back from Animal Kingdom, it it seemed to take forever too. I will say the nice thing is the buses, because we were staying at the Polynesian, was only really an issue for Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. Having the monorail for Magic Kingdom and Epcot uh, was great. We really didn't have to worry about that. Um, It was super easy to travel back and forth between um between those two parks and the polynesian yeah and 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 even if you're staying at like you know art of animation pop century you know having the skyliner helps you get to a couple of those theme parks as well so again i think it comes down to i imagine disney's still struggling to get bus drivers um but that that was a little you know point of frustration i will say the other thing with lightning lane again this being the first time we've gone since then we did not purchase disney genie plus uh, for any days we were there, I still don't really think it necessarily makes sense, especially if you're going, you know, multiple days, because Disney's kind of even starting to backtrack on it, and now they're saying you can maybe expect two to three, you know, Genie Plus um, Lightning Lane reservations if you book one first thing in the morning. So, you know, I don't really know how much the value is there if you're only getting two or three attractions at a time. And there were also people we saw lightning laning rides that don't have weight. So I believe living with the land, I I can't remember if it was exactly that, but it was a ride like living with the land where there's almost never a line and people were lightning laning. Yeah, we were walking right on. And again, yeah, probably it's like, hey, you can get a lightning lane for this. Right. And so they had to waste it it on that. I do think where the value may come in is the individual lightning lanes. I think that's where it may make sense if you can actually buy one. Right. I was going to say you had an issue with that. Right, and I, I, I tried to get one for Rise of the Resistance uh, the day we were at Hollywood Studios, and you know it was on right at 7, was going through to purchase the time. I was on the screen to confirm the purchase and enter my payment information, and then the you know, few seconds it took to make sure I was you know, good with the time and the payment information, when I went to hit pay, it told me that time slot's booked already, and by the time I went back to the main page and it was like 7.02 at this point, they were sold out for the day. So I think there's still some growing pains with that where, you know, if you're trying to make a payment, the fact that the, that lightning lane can kind of go away, uh, you know, does seem to be an issue. And we weren't the only ones that had that issue because Joe was actually telling me about this and somebody else heard us talking about it and also said that she had the same problem. So, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty wide issue with people not being able to get those lightning lanes, even if they're on at the appropriate time. Yeah, but but I do think that may be the one instance where it makes sense. The individual lanes are for the biggest rides, like Rise of the Resistance, which was always two plus hour wait. 
like Remy, you know, some of those other rides where I think that's maybe where it makes sense, but that's also going to be very difficult to get. So, and the last thing just kind of, again, is overall, I want to say kind of mentioned did not have the magical express anymore. So we decided just to use Lyft to and from the airport, you know, had heard some issues with the Mirrors Connect service about wait times, <laughs> trying to go. We didn't want to necessarily worry about that. And also, you know, it takes you back three hours before your flight. We wanted a little bit more flexibility, which I'm glad we did because as we talked about with the bus situation, yep. you know, we we waited quite a while to get a bus back to the hotel the last yes. day. Um, and if we had a set time to leave, we might have ran into some issues. But just for people wondering, for the two of us, uh, for a Lyft, it was around $80. I think we used Lyft Preferred. So I think it was like a little bit more expensive than just a basic Lyft. Um, but it was around $80 round trip. That compares to the Mirrors Connect, which for the two of us round trip would have been $64. Or there's also the Sunshine Flyer. Um, and that would have been $68 round trip. So it's around like $20 more um, for a lift. So it's not that much more for the lift. Um, and especially you get a little bit, you know, extra added convenience. You know, we got out of the airport, had a lift. We were gone and, you know, to the hotel in half an hour. So it wasn't like we had to wait uh, for the bus to fill up or anything. And I think we even took a, we took a lift a few other times as well, just to get around the parks. But interesting fun fact i guess maybe they get really good gas mileage or just great cars every single one of our lifts was a toyota corolla everyone and they weren't the same driver or anything they were just all toyota corollas yeah, so. they're all different and then the minivans are coming back so you know once you're on property if you want to use you know the minivan service too um you know to kind of get around places uh, as well that's always an option all right so let's jump into food because we we ate at a lot of new places for us we ate at a lot of different places this trip um, so let's kind of run through where we ate, what we had, kind of the highlights, lowlights of all the different food options. You know, we always struggle in the Magic Kingdom finding quick serves. So this time we decided to go to the Columbia Harbor, Harbor House because I saw they have the Doom Burger, which was a basically like a, fit, a faux crab meat or crab cake on like a burger. And it's a Haunted Mansion uh, 50th anniversary item. So yes. it's called the Doom Burger, you know, so the Doom Buggy. Um, but this was interesting because it had a brown bun on it too. So it was yeah, it's very like really dark, like blackish. Yeah, almost. it was very much in that haunted mansion aesthetic. Right. I mean, it had some onions, Brussels sprouts, kale, red cabbage on it. It was really tasty. I definitely was lazy and didn't want to get up and get like ranch dressing or some other kind of dressing. It needed something like wet on it. But I thought it was really delicious i definitely if i got it again would probably take a few of the onions off because they were really strong but overall i was pretty happy with that as an option what did you think yeah i mean i i did not have the doom burger but yeah i thought overall you know columbia harbor house uh is a good quick service i think the only thing is that it's very uh specific because it's seafood mm -hmm. so i had yeah. the uh salmon uh rice and green beans which was good because again if, you know for quick service to get like a piece of salmon you know, it's not like yeah. regular theme park food, like you're getting a hot dog or, you know, chicken nuggets or something like that. So I thought it was good. I would think it's a good quick service place to eat. Again, just it's like it may not be for everybody because if seafood's not your thing, it's not going to be a place you're going to want to go eat because you really don't have a lot of options. Right. And I think you didn't like the green beans very much. I thought they were pretty plain. They yeah, didn't the have green much beans were okay. But the salmon and, you know, the rice was good. You know, again, because the Magic Kingdom can kind of be tough in finding food. So we went back to the Polynesian um, and we actually ate at Captain Cook's a few times. So we ate 
at we ate breakfast there we ate tonga toast or i had tonga toast thought it was really good definitely needs some syrup because it's very dry but if you put butter and syrup together it makes a very amazing mixture which i don't think i've ever done that before um and i thought it was delicious i almost i think i might have almost eaten the whole thing uh really good and also we I got a plant-based burger. It was pretty good. It was like a sweet barbecue barbecue sauce. So I added some ranch to it because I I need something to be a little saltier. I'm not really a big fan of my food being super sweet. But again, it was it was really tasty. Yeah, we ate at Captain Cook's uh, quite a few times because it's you know a nice quick service uh, place at the Polynesian. Uh, you know, it's nice you know grab and go, um, especially because again we're up at three a.m. for the races. You know, you could go there the night before. Uh, and grab some you know, croissants or, or danishes or something the night before to have that. But yeah, you're right. The Tonga toast was great. The other thing we wanted to try, this was at the Kona Cafe. We didn't get a chance to try it because we weren't there for breakfast very many days, but was the macadamia nut pancakes. Oh, yeah. So that's definitely something we want to try on the next trip. But so yeah, so Captain Cook's, I think, is a, is a great quick service place. And like you were saying, you know, we were at Magic Kingdom and we're like, oh, don't really know you know, what to eat here. Um, you were looking for, again, kind of like plant-based options and there wasn't like a ton of stuff you were seeing in the Magic Kingdom and never really thought about this before, but because we were staying at the Polynesian, we we're like, hey, let's just go back to the hotel right. and eat there and, and never really thought about it, but that's a good tip. You know, if you are at the Magic Kingdom, it's a quick monorail ride to get to the Contemporary, the Polynesian or the Grand Floridian uh, if you want to stop there for lunch, if you're not seeing anything that you want to eat in the Magic Kingdom, it's not really going to take that much time off your trip. And then we ate at quite a few sit-down uh, restaurants this time um, that we have not eaten at before. So the first one was Tepan Ito uh, in Japan, which is hibachi. And I will say, I thought it was good food. I don't think it's anything different than uh, probably your local hibachi place. It's not like they're doing anything that's like crazy tied into Disney that you're not going to get, you know, somewhere else. So, I mean, I thought it was was good, but I don't necessarily know that it's a place I would have to go to frequently whenever I go to Disney World. Because again, I feel like your local hibachi place, you could get a similar experience. I, I, I was really excited to have, we actually had a female chef um, and she was from Japan and she was really charismatic. I loved her, but, you know, kind of going back to it it was it was very much like your typical hibachi experience so um the food was really good i actually enjoyed we didn't get rice with our meal we got soba noodles instead which was an interesting change um i liked that i might have liked that even a little bit better but we got rice too yeah we got plain white rice it wasn't fried rice but yeah um i thought it was really it was delicious but yeah as joe was saying really nothing special i just you know what i want them to do though at at hibachi restaurants just do all you can eat of the little salads that's all i want i love that ginger dressing i want to i want to find a good anybody know a good ginger dressing that tastes like the hibachi ginger dressing you all know what i'm talking about please let us know because i want i want to buy that and because i will just do nothing but i'll be like a bunny I'll, i'll just eat salad all day okay but you're right the the soba noodles um, were good. They, that was something different. You had the vegetables. Uh, I got the steak. Um, so again, I, I thought the steak was good. I thought it was solid. It wasn't anything that like 
blew me away that something I've never had before. I will say we also uh, split the 50th anniversary Yuzu Moose, which I would say is totally not worth it. It was no. $18. It had gold flecks on the top, so yeah. I, I let Joe eat all the gold. And it was it was really small. I, you know, We had looked up beforehand, um, you know, like, different things to eat and Disney food blog had like a promo pick of it and it looked absolutely nothing like that. <laughs> it was almost like as if like you tried to make it at home. It was like, you know, expectation versus reality type thing. I mean, it was just like one of those little dome cakes that they have everywhere. Like the little dome, it's like moose. Um, they have them at all the, all kinds of places. They have them at Suli Canteen. I mean, it wasn't special and I'm sure if you bought it at Suli Canteen, it would be like six bucks. So it just wasn't, I didn't really love the flavor really much about it. So it was it was good, but not $18. Yeah, yeah. for $18, yeah, it, w- it was a lot smaller and it did not look as high quality as like the pictures you see. So if you've seen like pictures on the internet, you go, wow, that looks incredible. Mm-hmm. I got to try it. You're going to be utterly disappointed when it comes out because it does not look anything like that. Uh, and you do not get a lot of food for $18 there. One of the places we really did enjoy was the Boathouse at Disney Springs. So pretty much everything there was delicious. We The rolls are probably some of the best rolls on Disney property or actually some of the best rolls I've ever eaten in my life. Um, Joe's usually the bread eater. I'll usually eat like one piece and then I'll let him have everything else. Uh, we definitely were splitting the rolls down the middle evenly. They're so buttery and so delicious really enjoyable yeah we had heard good things about the boathouse um going into this uh, and it definitely did not disappoint the boathouse definitely has a lot of seafood so again i was kind of looking at ordering some appetizers and i noticed they had veggie tacos the veggie tacos were the only thing i didn't really love i don't really love soft shelled tacos so they were good they don't have very much didn't have very much flavor to them but the mac and cheese that i ordered was fantastic it tasted a lot like chick-fil-a's mac and cheese if you've ever had that before i probably still would just a little bit prefer chick-fil-a's but this one was so so good it was so cheesy and delicious i think it had like four different kinds of cheeses in it our our waiter told us speaking of waiter great wait staff we loved our waiter so yeah i overall i thought it was a really great experience and also if you order the chocolate cake which we did not it's like a quarter of a cake it's huge you could probably share it with a table of four yeah, we saw, we saw that go by because we saw the chocolate cake on the menu and um, we were thinking about getting it and then we saw a piece go by and we're like, is that the chocolate cake? Because it looked like a whole cake. Uh, and we asked our waiter and yeah, he said, yo, no, that's that's it. That's one piece. Uh, and he's like, you know, it does say it feeds you know for two, but it's way more than two people. So we did not order it because we did not have enough room no. to eat. But yeah, so you had, you had the mac and cheese, uh, veggie tacos. I had the uh, hamburger with fries fresh cut fries uh really good um you know burger was great it's a it's a kind of a custom uh blend that they make there so really flavorful uh you know good burger if you, if you like you know burgers i definitely recommend it but overall i mean yeah it's a you know it's a great restaurant has a great kind of vibe and atmosphere it's right on yeah. the water there when we went it was raining so there weren't necessarily like a lot of boats uh you know mm-hmm. out on the water at disney springs but that's where they have you know, the amphibicars that that go off. So, you know, if you're there and it's nice, you can kind of sit out and watch those as well. So yeah, definitely a place we will uh, be going back to. Um, But yeah, if you're going to get that chocolate cake, um, make sure you have a group of people because it is 
a ton. Or maybe you're going back to the hotel room early and you'll be able to finish it up then. We we also didn't get it because we wanted to go to Gideon's. And again, I we've tried a couple times to go to Gideon's, but not that hard. And we thought we would be able to get uh, like get on a, in a mobile line when we got to the boathouse. You cannot do that from there. Um, you actually have to do it with them. So we ended up, I think when we went to check, it was a couple hours. So we figured, well, we're not going to sacrifice park time for a chocolate chip cookie next time hot tip just get in line like a virtual line before you eat and then you'll probably be fine yep uh we ate at beaches and cream again we've (laughs) talked a lot about beaches and cream uh again it's amazing i will repeat it again the frozen sunshine is the best dessert drink milk i don't think it's technically a milkshake but it is uh probably one of the best desserts you can get on property so if you've not gone to beaches and cream uh, definitely go there. Definitely get the frozen sunshine. The grilled cheese and tomato basil soup is fantastic. It's amazing. If you notice, there's a there's definitely a, a common thread here. I've got a lot of cheese products on this trip, but it was it's just so fantastic. I would probably order that once a week if I could, if they had it here at home. So really love Beaches and Cream. Always love it. Wait staff is always really nice and kind. Always a great experience there. Yeah. Now, one place uh, that we ate at, this was at the Polynesian, uh, was Ohana. <laughs> and apparently, Ohana means family. And family means we serve you way too much food. Um, mm-hmm. Because that is... <laughs> I think that was uh, our shock of eating there. The food uh, was great. I felt guilty. It was good food, but there was so much food uh, they give you there. We were not expecting it. And they just kept bringing out more and more food like yeah. it was normal of like, here you go. Here's some more <laughs> food. And uh, and the thing was, because Angela's vegetarian, she got the plant-based skillet. So... I uh, got the non-plant-based skillet, and instead of bringing us like half, half the food, yeah, they bring out a whole portion. So, you know, the the appetizer skillet uh, that I got had like six wings in it. It had like four or five pot stickers, noodles, uh, and then you know they're bringing out steak and chicken on top of that and everything. Uh, and it was just it was so much food that came. So for me. Um Again, I, I kind of said this before. I don't really love dinner items to be sweet. I like my sweet, my savory kind of with my food and then my desserts to be sweet. So because a lot of the sauces that were on like the jackfruit, um, there was also like a jackfruit barbecue. There were meatballs. And then there was also sausage because two of them were coated in that like really sweet barbecue sauce. I didn't particularly love them and I didn't eat a lot of them. But I did really like the I think it was, you know, an impossible sausage. It was really good. Uh, it came with noodles as well. And then also some um, little chips and hummus. So that was good. But I definitely, you know, the meat plate was definitely more <laughs> impressive, but also a lot more of it, again, went to waste because Joe had all of it to like to himself, basically. Yeah. And I will say the other thing we ate there our last night. So it wasn't like we could even take it back and eat it later. I think if we would have known that ahead of time, and gone there an earlier night in the trip, you could have had some food. I probably could have fed me for the rest of the trip for dinners, just all of the food you get. But yeah, it's just, it is incredible how much food they bring you. Uh, and then they come back and ask you like, oh, you need more or anything? Like they didn't just give you, uh, you know, half a cow 
worth a steak or something like that. But yeah, overall, I mean, it was good food. I think next time we go, we're definitely much more prepared uh, to know, maybe ask for you know not as big a portions or go earlier in the trip um, so we could take it and have leftovers uh, for later. Because yeah, unfortunately, we ate there the last night and really uh, couldn't have the leftovers. Oh, and also the bread pudding was delicious and it came with a heaping scoop of ice cream so that was that was really good and they have coconut in the bread pudding i'm not a coconut person but it wasn't it was very like baked in you couldn't taste like the shreds or anything it was really refreshing and delicious so i know that a lot of people love that and i can see why so we also had topolinos for breakfast it was a really we were really surprised first of all the riviera is beautiful it was lovely being at the top of the Riviera and being able to see three out of the four parks from where we were seated was a really cool experience. And then having the characters come out, you know, they circulated through the room pretty quickly. We saw Mickey, we saw Minnie um, in her cute little like newspaper dress. We saw Donald and Daisy. And the food that we got there, it was also all you care to eat. You just had to order basically everything that you wanted all at once. I got like a, a mushroom omelet scramble. I also got a waffle that had an orange orange syrup on it. The waffle itself was done perfectly. I wasn't as big of a fan of the orange syrup. The thing that was the star of the meal for me were the pastries they brought out in the very beginning. Um, they had some croissants in there, which Joe had, which I think he really enjoyed. And then I also, there were a couple other like little chocolate chip muffins and then like a little tart that had like apple or something inside that was my absolute favorite they were all so good and flaky i probably could have just sat and eaten like basket after basket of those yeah the pastries are really good that they bring you um i thought yeah overall i mean it's it's a solid uh character breakfast like you said the riviera is great topolino's being at the top it's on the 10th floor um so it's one of the you know taller structures uh around the theme park so you do have very good sight lines like you said you can uh, see directly into epcot which is closest to you but you can also see the tower of terror uh, if you look you know off in the distance you can see the tree of life so you, you can see a lot it kind of overlooks uh the caribbean beach resort which is really great so i think it's a great place to eat i thought it was a great breakfast like i said i think they have uh, good options uh, i ended up getting uh, waffles as well with uh, like scrambled eggs, breakfast potatoes and everything. So, you know, I thought overall it was, it's definitely uh, a good breakfast. Uh, I was much more comfortable with the amount of food they brought out yes. for that uh, being a, you know, all you care to eat versus Ohana. Cause again, uh, it was just like, quit bringing me food out. It's just at Ohana, just kept bringing more and more out. But, but Topolino's was great. So if you've not had a chance to go there, you know, it's not in the park. So it's maybe not something that people, um, are always looking at because it's at one of the resort hotels. Um, but if you're able to head over there, even if you're not staying there, um, would definitely recommend it. Uh, we also made a trip back to the Nomad Lounge uh, <laughs> to get the churros because they have the best churros on property. I think they did not disappoint again. And also, Angela, I think you got a uh, drink there uh, as well, which you thought was pretty good. Yeah, I got the hibiscus henna. It was really, really sweet. And I kind of got it because I know that there was carbonated water in it, but it wasn't real fizzy. So I was kind of craving that because I have a little bit of a, uh, you know, like LaCroix addiction. So um, it wasn't something that I would probably order again, but it was cool to try. The churros were really great, but I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I would prefer to eat the pastries at Topolino's instead, though. They're not that you can access them easily, but I think that they were just so delicious that the churros weren't quite as, you know, 
they didn't hit the spot quite as well. And they're different. I mean, they're completely different thing. You know, churros versus they are, but pastries if I was, and stuff. So, yeah. but definitely, I mean, the the churros at the Nomad Lounge are the best churros at Walt Disney World. Yeah, and so, I love that vanilla sauce. Yeah. So if you're gonna get a churro, you know, don't go to the churro cart. Go to Nomad Lounge. Um, I think it also helps because they're fresher. And, you know, especially in like the Florida humidity, yeah. those churros are going to get like soggy if they sit out in those carts too long. They're fresher and I think they're, they tend to be very dry. So again, having something, dipping sauces, yeah, yeah. Like having something that like that's wet that you're dipping them, it helps a little bit. Yeah. And, and, you know, for the Nomad Lounge, I mean, we joined the walk-up list. It said it was going to be an hour, I think within 20 to 30 minutes, we got the call that, you know, there was a table ready. So you know, definitely don't let the fact that there's maybe no reservations or, you know, it's going to say it's going to be an hour or something uh, stop you. Join the walk-up list. It, it's probably not going to be that long. And I was surprised, you know, it was really hot the day that we ended up going there and we got seated outside. And I know as we were walking back, I was thinking, man, I don't really want to sit outside. But we were seated by a fan. It was nice and, and cool. And we sat um, like on the deck area and we could see the flotillas coming by, which was really cool because, you know, sometimes you catch the flotillas if you're, you happen to be in the right spot, but because we were seated in one spot, we got to see, I think it was like, um, we got to see the Donald and Daisy and, um, I think that Mickey and Minnie maybe. Uh, so we got to see a few flotillas go by, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you're right. That, that was a, it was a good spot uh, to sit in there, uh, especially just to have a like kind of quick snack and a drink. So, uh, let's move on. So it kind of wraps up food. Um, so, one thing we want to touch on, so we did take the Keys to the Kingdom tour while we were down there. The tour just recently came back within the past uh, month or two. This is our first time taking the tour. Uh, it's a five-hour walking tour through the Magic Kingdom. You do get to go into the Utilidors, which is definitely a selling point, I think a highlight of this trip uh, amongst some other you know, backstage items. Overall, and again, don't want to give maybe everything away because there's definitely uh, a lot of exciting moments. So if you're interested in taking the tour, you know, don't maybe want to ruin all of the surprises that they have in store for you. But overall, I just kind of kept saying, you know, tremendous, like this is just a, you know, tremendous in a word that it was a great tour. I think we had a great uh, cast member as a tour guide. And overall, I think it is well worth it. I think it's like $120 somewhere around there. Um, you get lunch with it. Like I said, it's a five-hour tour. You get to go in some backstage areas. So if you're a fan of Disney, if you're a fan of the theme parks, highly recommend going on this tour. Yeah, I really love Natalie, who was our tour guide. And I think it was really interesting getting her perspective as well. It kind of made it even more special because her mom has worked for the Walt Disney Company for 40 years and in the parks. So she could, you could tell that she really reveres the company and really she knew her stuff because she was kind of raised with it. So again, they, they have really some the, the creme de la creme working for them and giving these tours. So I think it was even all the more enjoyable because she was our tour guide. Yeah, and I would love to do this tour again because I think if you do it multiple times, you know, for the most part, it's going to be the same, but the backstage areas, there's going to be different things happening, you know, backstage because it's, you know, an active theme park. And so I think doing this tour occasionally, going at kind of different times throughout the day, maybe different seasons, you know, you have the potential of seeing different things. I mean, you never know who you could potentially run into or, or what you're going to see backstage, um, which is, you know, where a lot of the excitement is. So, you know, even though, again, like the things you do and probably the stuff you learn is going to be very similar tour to tour, it's probably worth doing it, you know, every few years if you can, 
um, because you're going to potentially see something different that you didn't see before backstage. All right, now just kind of moving on to just kind of theme parks uh, in general, you know, maybe touching on uh, a couple of things in each of the the different theme parks. I don't think we necessarily have to go through everything we rode. I think we've done enough of these trip recaps <laughs> that you know people know how we feel about each individual ride. Uh, but there was you know some certain things that that were unique or different that happened on this trip um, that I think it's good to point out. Maybe couple you know helpful tips i'll start you know magic kingdom i think one helpful tip is now the festival fantasy parade is back um they're actually running it twice a day now just because it is so crowded that's a perfect time to ride in Adventureland right after that so you know we saw the early festival fantasy parade i think it ran at noon or right around noon but right after that everybody was leaving Adventureland. Everybody was following the parade uh, into the hub, and the wait times for the attractions dropped really significantly. We were able to walk on uh, right on Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Tiki Room. Like it, it really cleared out there for a little bit. Um, so that's definitely, I think, a tip that if you're there, if it's crowded, you know, wait for the parade. That's going to draw a lot of people out. That's a good time to ride, especially in Adventureland. Speaking of Magic Kingdom, when we were there in front of the Haunted Mansion, like it could not have been a more perfect spot. We saw those really tall white, one of those really tall white birds. They're called, a, I looked them up. It's a great egret. One of them was walking around and like, I was kind of wondering what it was doing. The next thing I knew, it had a lizard in its mouth. And then we proceed to continue to watch this thing gobble up like five or six more lizards. I mean, it would just like stop and then kind of sway a little bit and then just like dart its beak and eat one of those like little lizards that are everywhere. But it was insane. And Joe was like, I feel like we're in an episode, like in National Geographic yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, we're on a Nat Geo episode. Yeah. And the Magic Kingdom turned into Animal Kingdom for about 20 minutes there. Well, I think it's because, you know, Disney, you know, Disney Plus, it's a little corporate synergy. They own Nat Geo. So they, you know, paid the bird to give us a real you know the insight into yep. yeah yeah it was an insight into the you know the, the circle of life and the food chain and everything like that so i think that that's that was what happened definitely definitely <laughs> agree um over over at animal kingdom the you know what was unique there is it rained like oh, it, it absolutely like, poured like monsoon um, the, crazy the one afternoon we were at animal kingdom but it, it provided a really unique perspective on the safari so angela i know you love going on the safari there (laughs) every time we go i go with you like i'm on board because i know you like it you're like if i ride it i ride it yeah i'm like i've seen these animals it's the same animals out there it's not that exciting to me to see these animals over and over again but i will say being there when it was raining and it was raining while we were riding through the safari the the animals came out a little bit more. They were doing different things. It was much more interesting to be there and kind of seeing them interact with rain when it's typically, you know, they're just interacting with Florida sunshine. You know, it was something different for them. And you got to see kind of a different perspective. Right. I mean, I think that it was just so much cooler for them. So they weren't dying of, of heat exhaustion. So it was just nice to have that rain. And and so a lot of them seemed to have a lot more energy. So, um, you know, we got to see the black rhino. He, it looked crazy because it was all wet. Its skin didn't look all like, um, you know, you can usually see how, I don't want to say crusty their skin is. It's like but dry. Like, yeah, how dry almost, yeah. yeah, their skin is. And so it just was... It was, you know, I can see why they're called black rhinos because its its skin was very slick and like a dark gray color. It looked really cool. And then the hippos were out of the water. You know, usually you kind of have a hard time seeing them. 
the oh my gosh the african painted dogs were all on in their little they were not having the rain they, they were not get they were they not were, they were the only one not enjoying yeah they this. were they were kind of huddled up uh and they're like the little rock cave but they but, were in but, a perfect line all facing outward yes all all in a all in a line it was so cute if i had a really good camera i would have gotten a great shot of just how adorable they were and they they did remind me of like you know loki like our dog just just very cute trying to be comfortable in the rain what what impressed me with that though is is while they were all lined up again they were all facing outward yeah every single one of them was still looking out on alert which was which was kind of amazing to me that there was like not a single one kind of not just you know, ready to go at not, any point in time. Not doing its part. Yeah. And so, what, which was which was impressive to see that. Yeah, even that. You know, in a place where, I mean, they don't have predators. I mean, they're in they're in a zoo. You know, essentially, you know, it's not like they have to really worry about much. Um, but that they all, you know, just kind of it's still ingrained into them to to be on alert at all times. And then while we were out on on the um, on the savanna, the car in front of us broke down for probably you know 15 minutes or so and so we were just kind of stuck there and i got to stare at a wildebeest i never really thought they were very attractive animals and i just saw how cute they are and you still hold mufasa's death against them let's i do i do i do right but yeah they're very cute they have very long eyelashes and um you know they kind of are weird looking but weird looking in a good way like elephants are um speaking of elephants they were playing and like almost like prancing. I wouldn't quite call it a run, but they were prancing around and kind of playing in in the rain, which was really cute to see. And then the white rhinos were walking with our our safari vehicle. So we were like, they were just kind of walking along with us, which was really cool. Again, usually you see them kind of off in the distance, but they were up close and, you know, seemed to really be excited that it was not really, really hot out. Yeah, so I will say if you're at Animal Kingdom, and you know it's going to rain or it is actively raining, definitely recommend jumping on the safari for two reasons. One, because of what we just talked about, you're going to get a lot of different experiences from the animals. Potentially. I think. I mean, I think you will. It's a different, you're going to see them interact with the environment differently at the very least. But the other thing is, especially if it's really, really raining, which it was when we were there, <laughs> the cue for the safari is mostly, mostly under cover. There are some parts that are outside um, that you have to deal with, but if you can get past those, the majority of the queue is undercover, so you're not going to get wet. Right. You don't have to worry about standing out kind of in the rain, whereas you know some of the other queues are going to be out in the rain. And also, you know some of the other attractions like Everest, which is still down for refurbishment, but when if it's raining really hard, it's going to shut down anyway. So it's not even like you could go ride that. You know, you could do uh, Flight of Passage or Navi River Journey. Both of those queues are undercover as well. But again, I, I would probably lean to the Safari just because you could maybe potentially see something you've not seen before. Uh, moving over to Hollywood Studios, for me, at least a couple of things I'd say. Uh, one, the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular was great. <laughs> We've not gone to that in a while. It's been closed for a few years. So I really didn't remember kind of like how interesting it was. Yeah. And so it was, uh, it was spectacular. The stunt spectacular (laughs) was spectacular. It was really great. Really enjoyed seeing kind of that behind the scenes movie magic. And it, it just reminded you of what kind of Hollywood studios was founded on, you know, when it was MGM studios that it's, you know, it's a back lot. It was supposed to be a working studio, 
you know, the, the old, you know, backlot tour, you know, you used to be able to see the animators working, the stunt spectacular, how movies are made. It's kind of like the last relic of what Hollywood studios used to be about like the magic of making movies. Um, and so as I was there, I was finding myself thinking, I really hope they don't get rid of this. I know that's always kind of on the chopping block of potential expansions if they want to expand yeah. Star Wars I mean, it's more. a big, big auditorium yeah, area right theater. behind it too. Yeah, and they've, they've, you know, they've talked about kind of expanding Star Wars down to that before. But yeah, it, it was great. And I hope they keep that or something similar to that because I do like that that's kind of the fabric of the studio. I will say the other thing for me is... Uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. We did get on that. We didn't get on Rise of the Resistance because we don't want to wait in line. But Smuggler's Run wasn't too long of a wait. We got to be pilots again. We lucked out there. But this was the first time I finally actually felt like what I was doing was flying it. <laughs> so, you know, if you've ridden that attraction, especially if you're the pilot you're controlling, it sometimes feels like what you're doing has nothing to do with what's happening on screen and you know, you're know you trying to pull up or go left or right and it's not responding. I actually started to feel like I was flying and what I found, and this is kind of a tip for people, is if you push the, 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 the joystick just one direction or the other and just leave it there, that's when it kind of stops responding to you. And I think my best guess is it's kind of built for if there's like young kids flying or you know somebody maybe not fully know what they're doing it, it kind of reacts so that if you just, you know, push it into a nosedive, it's not going to let you crash it into the ground. So, you know, after a point, it's going to, you know, take over and kind of level you out. But if you keep it, and I was, I was the up and down pilot. So if you keep it kind of right in the middle and then you, you know, you go up or down, it does respond to you very quickly and very easily. So kind of the key is you just move it incrementally. Yeah. Just kind of hold it in the middle and don't kind of overdo it one way or the other. Um, but it was interesting to kind of actually feel like, yeah, what I'm doing is is actually controlling what's happening. For me, had a, we had a completely different experience with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail because this was the first time where we've actually been able to see the cartoon that comes before it. Because before that, you would just walk through the screen and you knew you were going into the cartoon, but we hadn't seen kind of the setup. And so it was really cool because you could get more out of the ride because you didn't really... You know, I, I know Joe had told me there's a B story with Pluto. I didn't really catch on, but whenever I saw, you know, he gets tossed out of the trunk and he's trying to return, like he has the picnic basket with him, then it made a lot more sense where, and it was kind of became a fun game in every single show scene of trying to find Pluto. Where is he? Where is he with that picnic basket? How is he trying to get back to Mickey and Minnie? So it made the ride even more fun to ride because there was even more to it. Also, again, I have to apologize again for my hard stance I've taken on the past in Tower of Terror. It is quickly risen to one of Risen and then dropped dramatically and risen again. (laughs) Risen to the top of my favorite rides in all of Disney. I love the Tower of Terror now. I think it is one of the few rides that doesn't make me sick, but makes me feel that thrill of like, you know, that controlled fear where you're like, I know I'm going to be okay, but I'm still scared out of my mind. Um, and I, I love that. I love that feeling. So it's, it's just such a great ride. It's very creepy. Now here's my question. Who are you apologizing to? Is this a, is this an apology to the ride itself? To the Imagineers? Like who, who's the apology to? I mean, it's to anyone and everyone I might've offended with my past opinions, including myself, because all fans of the tower. Yeah. Because it is, it is really just a, you know, chef's kiss of a ride. 
Love it. I think it was because I was high off of going to like Disneyland and, and seeing their version. Yeah, you got real hyped up on uh, on Mission Breakout. Yeah, and, and you- I... Yeah, I think that that's a great ride too. I mean, I'm not hating on but that. Tower either. of Terror is great, but I do think that it's really the Tower of Terror is really cool the way that it is. So I think that yeah, I, it, Disney does one thing really well. It's creepy. You know, they they have the Haunted Mansion, Tower of Terror, and I, those are two of my favorite rides. And I'm not a scary movie person. I can't watch them, but for some reason, when Disney does it, I love it. They need to do like an Avengers ride with zombies. I mean, <laughs> they have they have zombies in the MCU now, so they need to do. Uh, Avenger zombies and, and yeah, kind of make it a little bit creepy. That'd yeah. be interesting. Or you, you, you do like a Toy Story mania, but with zombies. <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> okay. I like that. <laughs> All right. And then hopping over to Epcot uh, real quick. We tried Beverly for yeah. the first time. Uh, I was expecting it to be way worse. It's definitely not good, but I mean, the way people talk about it and you see videos of people like drinking it and you like think they died like it's like the worst thing they've ever had in the world <laughs> i mean yeah it's not great but it's not i think i went awful. back and tried it a second time because i was like yeah this isn't that bad it's the bitter. one i think that the one that was i think it i don't know what it was called but it, there was one from china i think that was worse because it was like a sour cherry or something it was yeah. it was I didn't very try any of them i went in with the sole purpose of trying <laughs> beverly and i was like i'm good i tried a little bit of it I was good. I was done. Yeah. But you tried them all. so I tried every single one of them. And I thought that... You thought a lot of them were good though, right? Yeah, I liked a lot of them there. I think there was like one that was raspberry or something. I thought that was refreshing. And also the cucumber Sprite was strangely good. I did have some of that. Yeah, that, that was pretty good too. So I, I liked that. So with the food offerings at Flower and Garden, um, I think it's because at this point I'm a little spoiled and we've gone down and been there for a lot of like more recently. And so I'm starting to notice that they're not changing the menus. The menus stay very much the same, but I did get the Italian sausage and peppers poutine. And I thought it was pretty good. And that's good. plant-based. That was a plant-based sausage. Right. As yes. Well. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty good, but not amazing. Um, when I have French fries, I don't necessarily need meat on it unless, you know, of course, if you have like regular poutine and it's like gravy, of course that may, always makes it good. But yeah, so I thought it was good. I also got the Korean short rib again, which I think is really tasty and smoky. Uh, and they've had that there, and a they've while. had that before. Yeah, that's something they've had before, right? So, um, but I what I did notice this time is that, and just in general, not even just at Flower and Garden, but all over the Disney parks, they must have a deal now with Impossible Meats because a lot of you know, your plant-based burgers are impossible now, which I, I think that, I, I don't know. I, for there's something about impossible meat kind of makes me a little nervous. Um, I would prefer like a be- black bean burger cause I know, you know, what's in that. <laughs> so I've noticed that you can't really get those as readily as you can get like an impossible burger. So, and I don't think the impossible meat sits as well with me either. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, to your point of they have similar stuff every festival now, I think you know, what's happening to Epcot is it's becoming a permanent festival. I mean, I think yeah. food and wine starts July 14th this year, I want to say, and runs through the end of November when it was always a fall event. It was like maybe September, October into November, um, but now it's going into July. Uh, you know, we just finished Festival of the Arts and we roll right into Flower and Garden. And I do think, you know, they're they're running into the potential where they know festivals get people to come in, but whenever it's always a festival and it's a majority of the menus the same and those booths are now kind of permanent festival booths, it becomes, well, is it really a festival or is it now this just 
part of Epcot completely. And so I think they can maybe do this for another couple years, but I do think they're going to have to kind of change how they brand some of this stuff because people are going to get, well, it's the same thing. It's not really any different, even though you're calling it a festival. And we were in Epcot, I think, a few different days. And I actually did notice that because when we went in October, the lines were insane for basically every booth. Um, they were huge. And this time, despite the, the crowds that they were there, I didn't think that the lines were really bad for almost anywhere except for like the drinks by Mexico that usually always has a really long line, but that didn't even seem like it was ridiculous. So I think that you might have a point there with, yeah, it seems like maybe those lines are dwindling a little bit because it's not as new and fresh. The last thing I want to say about Epcot is that uh, with Remy, I don't know why they built Remy with such a small queue, Hmm. but uh, when we went there, the wait said, I mean, it was a decent wait, but it was a, an hour and 45 minutes. So it was still under two hours, which isn't that crazy for a you know brand new attraction. But the queue went through the entire kind of expansion and out into France. So, I mean, there we wanted to go up and just get um, some crepes. But there were so many people, it was difficult to get back there. And it was throughout all of France. And I was kind of blown away that that's how far out the queue went and how much space it took that they didn't kind of have more space built uh, for a brand new attraction that it's going to fill all of France for that. I I feel like that was a little bit of a miss there. Yeah. It it, it really crowds that whole uh, pavilion and you almost don't want to go there to you know, go buy food or anything else because there's so many people there. You're like, what's going on? I'm just going to stay away from France. Right. The crate, like the creperie, since it's so tucked back in, I, we actually, there was like a small walkway. Like it was almost like a one way walkway that wasn't lined. And that, I mean, that's not a small area right there, but everything else was people trying to get in line for Remy, which yeah, is definitely, um, you know, a problem and they're going to maybe have to address this in some way. But one thing about Remy, by the way, we decided we didn't really care to watch Harmonious again. And during Harmonious, we went over and were able to ride Remy in like a half an hour. So don't necessarily go and ride it in the middle of the day and the blazing sun, you know, wait till Harmonious is on. You're not missing much, trust me. And then uh, just go ride Remy then. Yeah, I think with, with any of those rides, any of the, the lightning lane, the individual lightning lane rides, so Remy... Rise of the Resistance, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train over at Magic Kingdom. You have to be there first thing in the morning for the early park hours, the extra half hour you get there and get in line for those immediately. Or you wait for right at the end of the day. And if you're in Epcot or you're in Magic Kingdom, wait for when the fireworks show is going on because that's when that's going to pull a lot of people out of line. So if you you know don't care to see it or you've already seen it, uh, go right then because yeah, Remy was, I think at least an hour and a half all day, 10 minutes before Harmonia started, it was a 30 minute wait and it was very easy to kind of get on. So yeah, you either gotta be there first thing in the morning or kind of right at night. One other thing you just reminded me of, and, and, you know, we didn't even really talk about this, but when we went to, on our tour, Magic Kingdom opened up early and I don't know, it was that, I don't know if that was for just like regular park guests or if it was for, you know, your big resorts. But my question is, 
they actually only opened up Main Street. The rides weren't open. So what was that? And, you know, because I would be kind of upset if I came and got up early just so that I could shop and I couldn't ride anything and take advantage of people not being there. That's a good point. So when we went to uh, the Keys to the Kingdom tour, we had the very first tour, which actually started before the park opened, which was nice because we got to go into some of the lands before anybody was in there. Yep. So you kind of got to spend some time in Adventureland with no crowds and just kind of sit there and take it in and see what it looks like in an empty theme park, which was really interesting and got me thinking, Disney, if they needed another tour, I bet people would pay a lot of money to tour Magic Kingdom or any of the theme parks early in the morning or after hours when there's nobody in the parks. You know, if it's $100 to do the Keys to the Kingdom tour, I'm sure they could charge a few hundred dollars to go through some of those lands when nobody's in there. Because you really see a lot more details when you aren't worrying about moving through crowds or having people everywhere, you know, just in the lands and in the rides when there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. But to your going back to your point, uh, so we were, we were there early because we had to get the early tour. So while the theme park does open a half an hour early for resort guests, they actually open the turnstiles a half an hour before that okay. and just let people go into Main Street. So Main Street was open a half an hour before that. So you could do shopping, go on Main Street, and then you could kind of get in line for whatever land you wanted to go into. Uh, if you wanted to go into uh, Adventureland or you want to go into Fantasyland and then those people then got in a half an hour early to okay. go actually ride the rides. That makes sense because, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to, you know, when park opening times were because I knew where we had to be and what time we had to be there. Um, and we hadn't really discussed when Magic Kingdom opened that day because, again, you know, it wasn't relevant to us. But, yeah. Yeah, so basically Main Street opens an hour before the actual park opens, and then you can start riding attractions if you're staying on property 30 minutes before. Okay. And then the rest of the park, you know, opens uh, at whatever time it opens. So... All right, so we'll finish it up here with the races. So this was the first springtime surprise race weekend that Disney had. We did the 10K race for the taste, and we did the Tower of Terror 10-miler. Uh, we talked about the history of Run Disney uh, last week you know, to kind of prep you if anybody was going down for that. I want to say, again, as a reminder for people, if you're going to run these races, you got to get up early. I kind of forgot Way what it's like early, yeah. to get up at 3 a.m., uh, when you're down at Disney multiple days in a row, it's it's kind of nuts to be up that early and you're <laughs> you're running a race at 5 a.m. when it's still dark out. Um, but it's a lot of fun. You know, this was our second run Disney event. Did not disappoint for me, at least. I think you had fun, too. We got a lot more into it this time. When we went a few years ago, we didn't really know of like go all out with your costumes and things like that. So we, we try to step it up a little bit more this time. Yeah, last time we kind of lightly Disney bounded. Correct. This time we, yeah, we actually kind we of dressed up. We had coordinated costumes. We so, did. so for the race for the taste, the 10 K through Epcot, uh, I was, we were supposed to be a figment <laughs> popcorn bucket and an orange bird sipper. So I was figment. You were orange bird. I really didn't have anything that made me look like a popcorn bucket. So I was more just figment. I was going to make you the strap. And then you were like, I feel like I would find that annoying. And then I didn't make the popcorn. So yeah. So, but I was at least figment. Uh, and then you had a straw, uh, in your hair that fell (laughs) out out within the first mile, Yeah, within the first mile. So you turned into orange bird. Um, but there were people that that stopped up and were like, were you the sipper and the popcorn bucket? And so people got it. Uh, I got to say, 
I've never felt more like a celebrity in my life being Figment yeah. because especially running through Epcot, all the cast members are like, Figment, here we get like, like it's so recognizable <laughs> and everybody loves Figment. Yep. Um, it made me feel great. Yeah. Um, but I, that's I was a, a little, great costume. I was a little jealous of you because I made most of your costume, but you were getting all the compliments. But I then was. I was like, I was like having to be like, okay, just understand that you made it. You so did was, so good. Yeah. Everybody, everybody knew it was I did do so, so good. You did. And your orange bird, your orange bird was great too. I mean, everybody knew exactly what we were. Uh, and then for the 10 miler, uh, we did bell hops, which a lot of people did bell hops because it was it yeah. was Tower of Terror. So le- lesson learned: if you want to stand out, do something a little off. Like there was a bell hop; she was literally dressed like Bell, but as a bell hop, yeah. which was so clever. She was the only one we saw, and it was a really cool costume. Yeah, but I I wanted to do the bell hop, so I thought that was was fun. Still, but yeah, we, there were a lot of really good costumes. So even even though we stepped up the game, there was like a whole other level to go to. Okay, the top echelon was was Jack Sparrow because this man, I mean, he I was, was good him. enough. I think it was Captain he Jack. He was good enough to be in park. I mean, his costume was just so on point. He had the eyeliner. He had everything. And then he ran in character. He ran like you would, like Jack Sparrow runs with his hands up in the air, not really using them to pump or anything. And he did, he did both. We saw him both days. I'm sure he probably did the 5K too. He did the, the 10 miler. They're 10K and a 10 miler. So he did all of them like that. I talked to him a few times and he stayed in character for that too, where I said, oh, you know, aren't you hot? Because he was wearing like long clothes, like long pants and stuff. And he's like, this is cooler than the Caribbean. Like he had an accent. And then he said, oh, you know, I said, are you going to get something to drink? And he's like, it's not rum. Like it was just really funny. He was, he was great. So I'm sure he probably runs all the races like that because I think he gets a lot of attention doing that. But Keep your eyes peeled for him on the next race. Yeah, some of the other ones, uh, you know, that I saw, there were people, especially at the ten miler. Um, like you said, there was a bell hop um, that was good. There were people dressed as the Tower of Terror ride. Yeah. So somebody was the tower. It was like a family. One person was the tower. One person was like the elevator car. One person was um, that's, a that? luggage carrier. Yeah, the luggage carrier. The luggage carrier. Yep. We saw some people that were dressed. I assume they did this because in Disneyland. Tower of Terror is now Guardians, but they were dressed as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So there was Drax, Gamora, Mantis, Peter Quill, you know, full makeup and everything. They were great. I saw a lot of Brunos. Yeah. Uh, and and, and, and yeah. Kanto characters. And some of them were hilarious because we like people were asking them to predict what was going to happen during the race and they would like play along. And that was really cool. Um, we also saw Han Solo and Carbonite, which was a cool costume. Yeah, there were a lot of really fun costumes there people who really got into it and i forgot how electric it is to participate in a live race i mean it was so much fun being there with other people and getting a chance to run i kind of kind of have to remind yourself whenever you're doing something that, like that you know you get to do this you have a healthy like your body is healthy enough for you to get to do something like this and this is like a celebration of that so it was really fun to get out there and you know run through the parks and be surrounded by people like who probably maybe enjoy running i don't know we, i was kind of cheering during the race i was I like know. i was like let's go and people looked at me like i had 47 heads but <laughs> i really enjoyed again it. it's 5 a.m in the morning and you're screaming oh yeah yeah <laughs> so like every mile marker i cheered and everyone like people i think i had one person grumble like thanks you too to me but everyone else was like shut up lady <laughs> it was uh it was a good course too i think they were good courses so the 10k yeah. was through uh, epcot and it went on the boardwalk for a little bit 
um, but I thought it was good. We got to go backstage, which is great as part of these races. You kind of get to go behind the scenes. We went under the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, launch hill. I joked to you. I was like, I'm just going to go run over and knock on that door and see if they'll let me in yeah. um, You know, a couple of times. Um, but that was fun. And then the 10-miler, a similar course, but that also included Hollywood Studios. But the nice thing was is you went through all of Hollywood Studios. So typically right. – when you're running through the parks, especially like Hollywood Studios or, or some of the other ones, you kind of just go through like right by the Tower of Terror. It's like a quick in and out. But this was the whole thing. You went down uh, Sunset Boulevard uh, through Galaxy's Edge, through Toy Story Land, all the way back up through uh, and past the Tower of Terror. So it was really great to be able to run through those lands right. um, and kind of see that because that's not something that you typically you know get to do and see. Uh, and they had a lot of great characters out i think some of the best ones we were a little bit disappointed on because there weren't photo pass photographers there yeah and we didn't we didn't run with our uh, cell phones because i didn't want to carry mine with me as i was running because i wasn't listening to music because we were you know kind of talking it wasn't like i was you know focused on anything um so we did miss out because they had um some people from the adventurers club they had the ghost bellhops and a couple other ones where you had to have your own cell phone to take a picture. Yeah, the Adventures Club was particularly the one that I was upset about because I, I, I understand why they don't have a photo pass person at every single one of them because I'm sure they want people to stay moving. But at the same time, yeah, because some of those I lines think, with the photographers were getting really long. They like were crazy. Twenty thirty minutes. I'd yeah, say. I I don't really necessarily have an issue with them not having photo pass photographers, and but it is one of those things where it's like. I think that run Disney this time, there were a couple little things that in those emails they should have included. For example, we actually didn't bring our photo ID because when you're on Disney property, usually, you know, you have your magic band and that acts as your credit card and everything else. So it just completely slipped our mind that we might need. And it makes sense that they do that because you can qualify for Boston. And this so, is for the picking up of right. the race gear. So, so this wasn't, this didn't impact us actually yeah, racing. Yeah, no, not, not racing. Yeah. But when we got there, we actually, you know, took the bus all the way to ESPN. And then we had to turn around and go we back. Wa- and then walked the whole way to the back because that's where they put you for the run expo. Yeah, we had to turn around and leave and go get it. So Joe, Joe went back and I kind of just sat out in the sun people watched, but yeah, I mean, that was frustrating and I do wish they would have put on there, you know, there's going to be extra people around, uh, with no photo pass photographers. So if you want that pictures with, of that, make sure you have your cell phones again, you know, little minor nitpicky thing, but at the same time, uh, in the future, I will definitely have my phone on me. It's just, I do enjoy being able to kind of be away from my phone a little bit too. Yeah. I will say in the future too, I may not run an April race anymore um, because it was so humid on Saturday. uh, I was sweating by time I just started the race. So that was rough. Luckily for the 10 miler, it wasn't as bad. I think that the 10 K was definitely more of a struggle than the 10 miler just simply because of the humidity, the 10 miler. It was the humidity had let up, let up a lot. So it was a lot easier to breathe and get the correct amount of like water into your system and things like that. So I think it was a lot easier, but it was still warm enough that I, that I didn't really feel cold whenever I was out there in my, you know, running shorts and uh, tank top. But I will say with all that being said, you are crazy enough that you are thinking about <laughs> actually doing the dopey challenge in yes. January. If I don't break my body first, uh, which <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> do you want to do that? And you're trying to talk me into doing the marathon and I'm not doing it. So I will, I will maybe run one of the races. Cause again, it's January. It'll be a little bit cooler because these are fun races to do. 
but you are crazy for wanting to run the dopey. That's I, all I got to say. Well, here's the thing. And I this is what I, I realized because we didn't run this race this time for any specific time. So we took it. I ran it to get the pictures. Yeah, we took it easy and we probably, I mean, we ran at a really slow pace. And I realized that probably at that pace, if I keep that pace, my problem is people cheer, there are characters, I want to pass people and I speed up. So this is why I'm trying to convince you to do the marathon with me because <laughs> I know I will probably try to push myself more than I need to. So I need to kind of keep it on lock because I could probably do a marathon at that pace that we were doing. If I can ride in a golf cart next to you, I'll do it. But that's about <laughs> it. I'm not I'm not running 26 miles. Right. Uh, I mean, Disney would be a fun place to run it, but that's too many miles. That's why I want to do it there, though, because I think it's the most special place you could probably run a marathon. So I definitely think it would be a lot of fun and it would keep you entertained and you'd get to see all of the parks behind the scene, like, you know, before park opening or even after park opening. I just think it would be really cool to do that. One final thing that we forgot to mention when we were talking about the costumes, there was a family of three, Lady the Tramp and the Bowl of Spaghetti, which was unbelievably great. I mean, this and man... And they were a table. They had like... They're the, yeah. He wore a table, too. He, like yeah, he wore a table. I think this was... Was this the 5K? I feel like it, was, it had to have been the 10K. I don't think it was I the... I think it was the 10K. I yeah. hope he didn't have to run the 10-miler like that. Because that... I mean, it was such a cool costume. Yeah, the, the people that have, like, cardboard construction around them, that's got to be hard to run in. <laughs> One other thing that was really funny that happened during the race or before the race... So I, I wore a skirt and then wore running shorts underneath that. And I just kept, like feeling like the fabric wasn't quite right on those running shorts and I run in them before. So I'm like, what's going on? And then I finally like reached in, you know, and like was checking on them and trying to pull the fabric out. And I realized that I actually put my running shorts on inside out about 10 minutes before the race was about set to begin. So I had to book it to, you had a pre-race race. <laughs> yeah. I had to book it to the Porta Johns and get out of the corral and like was afraid that I would lose Joe somehow in the process and hurry up and like reverse my shorts in the Porta on so that was a lot of pre-race excitement but it was pretty funny and it was a fun story to tell but i definitely you made it, you made it back i did um, but i'm really glad i didn't run the race with my shorts on inside out because i contemplated doing it but i'm like i don't know i feel like you, they always tell you don't try anything for the first time on race day and that's a weird thing to try on race day so i don't want to do that i'd say so all right but i think on that note uh that wraps up our trip recap for for our most recent trip a lot happened like i said we we were there uh, for six days, and so we got to do a lot. I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to whenever we go back next. Don't know necessarily right now when that's going to be. Probably for the marathon, though, it sounds like you want to, for some reason, run almost 50 miles over four days. You can wake up at 3 a.m. every day. I'll sleep in and go to the parks. I'll have a lot of fun. I'm going to be, be so great. noisy. <laughs> so noisy. Yeah, you're going to know. You don't want to run this race. I'm, I'm going to like wake you up. I'm going to dress as Rapunzel just so I can bring a pan so that I can clang it in the morning when I wake up. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. But, but that wraps up our show for this week. So uh, if anybody else was down there for the uh, Run Disney event, you know, we'd love to hear what your experience was like. You know, Let us know. Uh, send us a message over on Facebook. We're Enchanted Ears over there. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for our 200th episode. We're really excited about that. I want to thank everybody again for listening. And if you've not done so, uh, please leave us a rating or a review. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.